0: All right, back for a Cash Medi podcast. Going to be talking about Tatis signing his contract extension. Get into some of my thoughts on that. Some thoughts on the Padres going into spring training. Pitchers and catchers reported this week. And the rest of the players are going to be reporting this coming up week. And then I'll get my thoughts on the media's reaction to Tatis and maybe get into a few things on the NFL Wins trade and NFL draft stuff. All right, so let's just start. I'm actually going to start with Lament. Um, he says he's 100% and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's fine and that's great. And I mean, that's obviously better to hear that Danelson Lament feels like he's 100%. But until we see, you know, three, five starts, you know, consecutive starts in a row and he's throwing, you know, 90 to 100 pitches and he feels good after each start and he's throwing sliders, he's not just throwing fastballs, and, and you know, he looks good and everything, you know, then then we'll for surely know. Then, then, then we can tell. But as of right now, I mean, yeah, it's cool hearing him say that, but, I mean, it is what it is. We got a whole spring training to go, and then hopefully, you know, like I said, he gets five starts in there, and we, we can feel good after that. But as of right now, I mean, I still – where I What I'm trying to say is I don't think we're out of the woods on that. All right, so let's get to Tatis. We get our franchise player, uh, the face of baseball. We sign him to a 14-year deal for $340 million. No opt-outs, uh, no trade clause. I mean, he wants to be here. The organization wants him to be here. The fans want him to be here. I mean, I think it's great. I think it's absolutely great. Is there a concern to it? 100%. There's a concern that he continues to get hurt. You know, if he continues to get hurt, then the Padres are going to get screwed on the deal. But I mean, the likelihood of him just every year getting hurt, you know, I just don't think that's very likely. I mean, can he be injury prone and only be like a guy who plays 120 games every year? I mean, sure, maybe, but I mean, I don't think he's going to be a guy that you know only plays like 80 games a year, and stuff like that. So when you can get a lock up a player like that for that long and you're getting all his prime years and really I don't see any years that he's really going to decline that much. So he's 22, you had 14, that's 36 maybe at the age of 34, 35, you know, 36, maybe he starts tailing off a little bit. But but I highly doubt it, you know. Um it's 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 going to be worth it as long as he's healthy. So I I think it's funny so I think it's great by the Padres. I think, um, I think Tatis left money on the table. I mean, if he would have waited probably two more years, he probably could get, you know, probably a 14-year deal for $400 million or, you know, what have you. I mean, he obviously wa- wasted some money, but he's secure now. Um, he doesn't have to worry about it. The Padres don't have to worry about it. And that's what's so great about it you know we don't have to worry about him let's just say he balls this year He hits 35 40 home runs he's top 3 again and mvp i mean after the season we're going to he's going to he would have gotten more you know and we'd all be thinking shit i hope they sign him now we don't have to worry about that anymore so any year he could hit 50 home runs this year and we don't have to say jesus he's going to ask for 500 million he signed and it's his entire career he's going to be here I think he's going to be, you know, even better than Tony Gwynn. I think he's going to be the greatest Padre. I think he's going to be the greatest Padre by far, really, to be honest with you. Tony Gwynn was an all-time great, greatest hitter I've ever seen. But this guy's the complete package player. He's got power. Tony Gwynn never hit, you know, for power. He's not going to hit. This guy's going to hit, I think, an average of 35 home runs, 35, 40 home runs. I think he's going to hit, you know, around 290 to 320 most of his career and he's going to have an on base of 370 to to 400. So he's he's a phenomenal player, a shortstop, face of baseball, you know, let alone just the face of your franchise. Um and I think it's great. I think most people, you know, most of the media I thought gave us props and and said it was the right situation for the Padres. Then you had some people in the media that you just knew that they were going to bash it because that's what they do. They always bash the Padres. They always bash small market teams because they're fucking lazy. So you go to like Buster only and Buster only didn't even tweet about it. The guy signs a $340 million contract and he still hasn't tweeted about Fernando Tatis signing a contract for $340 million. And he's one of the best players in baseball. And arguably the best young player in baseball and the guy doesn't tweet about it. doesn't I don't know. Maybe he talked about it on his podcast a little bit, but how, how you don't tweet about it yet. You're tweeting about every other little thing. And it's, it's typical buster only just being a piece of shit that is so biased towards the Padres. It's a complete and utter joke. He's a very unprofessional asshole is what he is. Um, But you know that he thinks it's probably a good deal for the Padres because he didn't tweet about it and he hasn't really responded about it. I haven't heard it. I mean, again, maybe he did on his podcast. I don't listen to his fucking podcast. I could care less what he says on his podcast. I mean, he's tweeted about Dr. Fauci. He's retweeted his own tweets about Dr. Fauci about five times. And it's like, okay, cool, Dr. Fauci. I mean, if Dr. Fauci says one thing today, tomorrow he's gonna say the complete opposite. Yet this guy's tweeting about it Five fucking times. I mean, what a joke. And then you go to Ken Rosenthal, and Rosenthal is just hilarious, which I usually like Ken Rosenthal, but I think it's absolutely hilarious how he reacted on the on the Tatis signing. Prior to Tatis signing, he said there there was a rumor going out that Tatis was gonna sign with the Padres eleven years for $320 million. And Rosenthal said this doesn't make sense for Tatis. This is why I don't think this is going to happen because Tatis would be leaving so much money on the table and it just doesn't make sense for him. He should play another year or two and go to, you know, wait, in, wait a year or two till free agency and then maybe get a big deal and it'll be over $400, $450 million. So he's leaving over $100 million on the table. Then the Padres sign him for 14 years and it's only 20 more million than what the projection was before, but three more years and Rosenthal comes out and's like basically almost bashing the Padres, not bashing him, but like questioning the Padres saying, is this sustainable? Like can the Padres really pay this shit? And it's like, dude, you just said prior like a month ago that Basically, it'd be a bargain for the Padres getting him at that rate, at eleven years and almost the same type of money. Yet they got it for fourteen years, and you, and you're not going to like praise the Padres and go, "Hey, that was a great deal by the Padres." I think blah blah blah. You you praise Mookie Betts' contract with the with the Dodgers, and it was a twelve year deal, and I believe he's going to go up to the age of forty when he, when he's finally done. Yet you're not gonna you're not gonna praise the Padres. It's the same, almost the same type of player. Now Mookie Blitz, Betts has many more years of proven years than Tatis does. Tatis basically has a year and a half of proven years, and really he got hurt for half of a year. But you can see what the player he is. Um, so I mean, obviously, like I said, Betts is more proven, but the talent is pretty close to each other. They're both fucking damn good players top 10 players in baseball so you you praise the Dodgers doing it and I understand like the Dodgers have more money I get it but if we're paying pretty similar type of money and our guy's going to be in his prime his entire time and Mookie Betts is probably going to have five years of not being in his prime in those in the in the in a 12-year deal where he so only seven of the, of the years, he's probably in his prime or have really good numbers. And five of them, he's probably going to start declining. Like, I don't see how you could praise one so much and then kind of question the other one. And he's like, is it sustainable? And of course, Jason Stark, because Jason Stark is a fucking asshole. You know, Philadelphia Inquirer, all he cares about is East Coast teams and the Philadelphia Phillies, he you know, prior to even this happening, he was like the top five offseason moves. He didn't even have the Padres in, in any of them. It's like he, the Phillies re-signing Romudo and some other player. He was like, oh, th- th- those are some of the top five moves in the offseason. Like, what? What are you talking about? The Padres got Snell and Darvish and you don't think that's one of the top five offseason moves? Like, get out of here. Because he's such an East Coast biased piece of shit. And that's why I'm calling these guys out right now. But going back to Rosenthal, he says, or could, "I'm questioning if they su- can sustain it because, like, the Padres have never really been this type of team." Well, instead of questioning it, questioning it one day after signing him or right after they sign him, why don't you ask the owner? Why don't you do some research instead of just blatantly questioning it? And then Jason Stark going, "Oh, this is a legit question. How is it a legit question?" And if you think it's a legit question, go go do some research on it As, instead of writing the article right away. Do some research on it and then come back and, and say, hey, I don't think it's sustainable because of this, this, and this. Or come back and say, actually, I do think it's sustainable because of this, this, and this. He didn't even, even ask Peter Seiler. You didn't question Peter Seiler. You, you were, you're not smart enough to think, hey, everything's changed since the fucking Chargers left. I don't understand how no one... Is talking about this. The Chargers left, I believe, in two thousand sixteen. If I am not mistaken, how can you not get more fans into into the into Petco Park with the Chargers leaving? You have fifty thousand season ticket holders for the for the Chargers, and I want to say that that a, a season ticket holder for ten games, eight regular season games, two preseason games. I am not positive on this, but would be more than getting eighty. 81 games of the Padres season ticket hold, you know, for one ticket, one ticket. Um, maybe it's, maybe I'm off on that. So I, I, I don't know. I didn't do the research on that. But all those rich, rich people that were going to charger games now that still have that extra money, let's say, you know, whatever, a couple hundred thousand dollars that they were spending for season tickets or whatever, the thousands of dollars. Now they have that extra money. They're like, well, what are we going to do with it? There's a lot of rich people that are just, they want to do something. They want to get out of the house. Well, now they're going to go to Padre games instead of going to the Charger games. So you're telling me that you couldn't steal at least 5,000 of those season ticket holders? Then you're one of the worst run businesses of all time, of all time. So what I'm trying to say is if the Padres were getting 23,000 a game, You know, in like the Bud Black era, and and now we go into this era. You should easily have gotten it, got it to twenty eight thousand, even if they had the same, you know, Bud Black era type of team. So from twenty three to twenty eight thousand, whatever, how much more they would have made there is a huge difference. And now that you actually have young, exciting, marketable players. You should get that up to ten thousand extra, so it should have gone from twenty-three thousand to thirty-three thousand per game. That's a huge difference right there. That Rosenthal and Jason Stark never mentioned, never mentioned it even once because they're pieces of shit and didn't do their fucking homework. Why don't you do your fucking homework and just look into it? Think about it. Think about all the advertising that now that that goes on with the Padres. Just think about 97.3. You think that they're talking about the Chargers? I mean, I don't know. I only listen to to Ben and Woods, but I don't think the other the other shows are talking Chargers. Maybe Coach Cantera is still. I don't know. But I don't think Chris Ello and, and Tony Gwynn Jr. are talking Chargers much. So just think about more people are hearing Padres, Padres, Padres. If you get that in your brain and you hear it more and more and more, you're gonna get more and more fans. You're going to get that 12-year-old kid that – that 10-year-old kid that that sees Tatis these last couple of years, last two years, and now now his dad tells him, dude, Tatis is staying here for 14 years. Let's go buy a jersey because we know they're not going to trade him. How many jersey sales do you think Tatis is going to have knowing now that he's, he's going to be a padre for life? I mean – that's that's a hundred that's that's a way bigger difference than well I don't know dude I don't know if I want to buy his jersey because you know I mean those jerseys some of them are pretty expensive I don't know if I want to waste that money and then two three years from now he's gone you know and he, and he's playing for the Yankees or you know the Red Sox Now you know for sure he's going to be here and then you got so many other marketable players that I don't know why you know these national media clowns have never mentioned it um you Darvish, I don't know exactly where he where he was born and raised, but he's a marketable player. The Kim guy. Um all those people sell jerseys left and right. Just because they're, they're so marketable. And Tatiste and Machado, like I guarantee, I guarantee Darvish, Tatiste and Machado have top twenty five jersey sales this year. And for the next couple years coming up, the Padres are a marketable team now. I mean, there's going to be fan They're they're going to just grow and grow and grow with their fan base. And people have been talking about like bandwagon fans. Like, I I mean, I don't really care. I mean, if you want to be a bandwagon fan, be a bandwagon fan. I don't don't give a shit because it's going to help our attendance. It's going to help um, jersey sales, all the merchandise, what have you. We're going to get all kinds of that shit, and that's going to help us pay off some of these players, and it's going to be great. You know, you got Jason Smith, who's from New York, and he was like, I just, I don't like it for the Padres, this deal, and he says, because you don't know what type of player Fernando Tatiste is. No, bro, we know what type of player he is. You just don't know what type of player he is, because the first pitch at Petco Park is at 10.05 your your time and it is 7.05 our local time. That's why you don't know about him. So don't talk about him. Just admit that you've never really seen him play. You've seen him play a handful of times and you don't know about him. But no, you're a national media guy and you got to crush the Padres because they're on the West Coast. And if it was the Dodgers signing him, it'd be the greatest deal of all time. If it was the Giants signing him, it's the greatest contract of all time. But when the Padres do it... Then, uh, we don't really know who the Padres are, so let's just bash them. It's just lazy. It's absolutely fucking lazy. I'm tired of it. Um, Bob Nightingale keeps tweeting out some bullshit about the Padres, like, like, uh, Tatis has got a, uh, the California taxes and shit. Like, okay, Mookie Betts had the California taxes. Why didn't you, why didn't you talk about Mookie Betts? Is is Mookie Betts not in California? Is he not playing his games in California? He doesn't have the taxes there. I mean, it's just a joke. They're always taking shots, and I don't I don't understand what their mindset is. I don't understand what their goal is. I guess it's they they're just lazy and just want to cover about five teams. Then just go cover those five teams. Don't be a national baseball writer or media guy. Um, just go cover five teams. I mean, how can you not be excited for the Padres for this deal, for, for, for baseball in general? And you had that guy on Get Up. Uh, he's like a producer for the stupid show Get Up. I've never watched this show um, on ESPN. And he's like, this is bad for baseball because Fernando Tatis is playing on the West Coast in a small market. Now, actually, Paul, I think his name is Paul, actually asked Clown, you know what's bad for baseball is ESPN because they only cover the Yankees and the Red Sox, occasionally the Cubs, and then they cover the Dodgers for the West Coast teams. And then when the Giants are really good, they cover the Giants. ESPN only covering about five fucking teams is what's wrong with baseball. You watch the NFL, and what's so great about the NFL is all the teams get pretty much covered Pretty equally. I mean, yeah, the Cowboys are gonna get covered more and the 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 Giants and, and and Jets and big markets and stuff like that. But when the Arizona Cardinals are good and go to the Super Bowl with Carson Palmer and stuff, like nobody's like, Well, we're just not gonna cover them, you know. They get they get the pretty good treatment there. When you know, the Buffalo Bills went to the AFC championship game this year, they got pretty good treatment, you know, like I mean, what have you, like a small market, the Cleveland Browns, like, you know, what they just treat it so much different than, oh, well, they're the Padres and we don't really get to see their games. And, and, you know, the NFL, everyone, everyone, every game is on, you know, and everyone it's at good times. Like it's either on at 10 o'clock West coast and one o'clock, or it's on East coast, one o'clock and four o'clock. So everyone can watch their games. And so I get that sense of it. But when the Padres are playing, like the Braves, like if you and if they're having a good year, watch them. If they're playing the Mets on the East Coast, watch them. Get a sense of who they are. Try to cover them. Try to do your fucking job instead of well, they play at uh, ten o'clock uh, East Coast time, so uh, I didn't watch them. So then don't fucking talk about them. Don't don't have an opinion on it. Say just admit, hey, I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't watch it. Instead of oh, this is bad for baseball. No, it's not bad for baseball, okay? It's good for baseball, okay? It's good to have more teams than just the Yankees and Dodgers and Red Sox and Cubs and the same teams spending, you know, on players, the Nationals, the Phillies. It's the same exact teams spending on players is not good for baseball. You know, it's just a joke the way they they treat, you know, all these teams. Even a team like the Atlanta Braves. I feel like, they don't get the publicity that they deserve. Like, they're probably a top-five team going into next year for a chance for a World Series. And the, and the national media barely even talks about them. They still just talk about the Yankees. The, and, and basically, they just have crowned the Dodgers the World Series champions. Honestly, if Lament's healthy, I think we could easily beat them. Easily. Well, I shouldn't say easily, but I'm not going to be shocked if we're a better team than they are. I mean, you go player for player, we're pretty damn good with them. I know we got swept last year. We didn't have Clevenger and Lament. I don't know why no one in the national media is reporting any of that or or talked about that when we played them in that playoff series. It's funny how Jason Stark, though, the minute Kershaw looked like he was going to miss a game against Atlanta was writing articles making excuses that, well, the Braves didn't have uh, Kershaw. Possibly without Kershaw, because they were down like 3-1 or something, or 2-1, two, two and he was already making excuses. And it's like, really? Because he didn't make any excuses for the Padres saying that they lost Lament and Clevenger. Yet you had to go and do it for the Dodgers. It's just biased bullshit. I'm tired of it. Uh, another thing I'm tired of is a guy like Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts is is... Gone on and basically said, Oh, I don't even think of the Padres, this and that, and, and tried to just downplay the Padres, which is fine in a way. Like, I, I don't really care. But I mean, he's just such an arrogant asshole. Uh, the media has been blowing that guy for years, especially in our own town. I don't know, you know, Darren Smith, oh, we got to have Dave Roberts on, the, on. He's a fucking Dodger manager. Like, he's our rival. Stop treating him like he's your best friend. Oh, but I, I went into a wine industry with him or something and he used to be on my radio show and I have him on every... Fuck that. I'm tired of that shit. We need to get rid of that, that mentality here and stop being soft. He's, he's a rival. Fuck him. He's a dick. I'm tired of Dave Roberts. And the guy acts like as if he's like the greatest manager of all time. This is his sixth year being the manager of the Dodgers. Three of them On opening day, they've had the highest payroll. This year, they're like, what, 40, 60 million over this uh, luxury tax? I mean, it's a joke that they have to give this guy so much fucking talent. The other years, it was fourth highest, third highest, and second highest. And he has one World Series out of it. Now, possibly, you know, he wins another World Series this year. that would give him two out of six years, which would, I mean, that's good. Or that's pretty good. But, I mean, Jesus, the guy makes it like as if they're winning because of him. They're winning despite your sorry ass dude you're not a good manager I mean you blew that national series you know two years ago you brought in Kershaw and he fucking gives up back to back home runs when you know Kershaw isn't the greatest thing you know in October he's always had trouble in October and you bring him in as a reliever to face the two best hitters on the nationals I mean you fucking idiot you're you're a dumb manager and then every time every time it, it goes against you as a manager, the decision, what does the media say? Well, the computer, the analytics said for him to do that. Well, if he's such a great fucking manager, you know, what do you need the analytics bullshit for? Or if the analytics is how we're just gonna go judging a manager, then what do you need the fucking manager for? Stop praising the same guys like him because he's good with the media. You know, I'm, I'm sick of the whole LA Dodger media in general. You got that Molly Knight chick, who is just completely bitter in life 24-7. She wants to bring everyone down and just, life sucks. You ever if, if you ever go to a restaurant and the guy goes, bitter, party or one, your table's ready, bitter, party of one, you know it's that Molly Knight girl, 100%. And the, the minute she sits down, you know that they're, they're playing the song. All by myself, I'm gonna be... All by myself. I mean, who would ever, ever want to date a girl like that? Just negative 24-7. Every single guy sucks. Every single person sucks. Uh, life is terrible. Oh my God. You know, uh, she gets to cover baseball for, for her, her job. Like everybody would love to have that as a job. Like who, who wouldn't want to be like, hey, I get to cover baseball. And I get paid to do it. We're all watching baseball. We're all not getting paid. And we're love, we're we love watching it. And she's bitter 24-7. I'm just tired of people like that. Like, god damn. And then uh, you got Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, oh boy. That guy just needs to shut up, dude. Just shut up. You got you got overpaid. I don't know what your problem is in life. Just shut up and pitch, dude. Get off of Twitter. Um it's going to be a disaster with the Dodgers. I'm going to laugh my fucking ass off cuz it's going to be an absolute disaster. If anyone thinks that I mean that guy's just a hothead, dude, just mentally I don't think he's going to be focused like he was last year pitching for the Reds. And he got to face a um an easy division all season long. Now he gets to face you know a normal schedule. He's had one really good year, it was last year and, and another year. So he's had one one and a half really good seasons. And then now he's going to come into this year. And you know, the, you know the first game that he gets bombed and gives up like six runs in two or three innings. The media is going to just absolutely crush him. I mean, the media, the fans, everyone's going to crush him. Because he puts himself out there. He looks like he's, you know, a racist and, and a sexist. I mean, I don't know if he really is on either one of them. I mean... I don't really follow him and all his tweets and everything. But he puts himself out there that it's pretty questionable whether he is or isn't. Like, so I can see why some people think he is. But I'm not going to say he is or isn't because I don't really know the guy. But it's just, I don't know why he keeps going on Twitter and keeps, you know, like, like, put your phone down, dude. Who cares? Like, if you care what every single person thinks... You're just mentally not going to be there, and he's going to get bombed, and I can't wait. He's going to opt in and into next year and <laughs> for $45 million, and I think he's going to basically opt in for two years, and then uh, I, don't, I don't think he's going to be that good of a signing for the Dodgers, to be honest with you. Um, I think the Padres, I've seen a lot of over-unders at around 93 to 95 wins on the Padres. I, I think they'll win around 95 games. The thing that worries me the most going into this season is going to be that they get a wild card and then they face like the Mets and they got to face like DeGrom. I think that would suck. You know, you play a one-game season, you know, playoff, and you got to face DeGrom. That's going to be tough. But I think the Padres are going to be really good. I like what I see. I like, you know, going back to Tatis signing. All those things that they did, signing Machado, you know signing you know basically taking on darvish's contract you know adding adding all the payroll that they did snell you couldn't do all those things and then come up come to the padres fan base in two three years and say we can't afford to tease you had to have signed to tease so i'm glad that's over it's a huge relief um a great signing it's a great time to be a Padre fan I can't wait for the rest of the se- or for the season to start um I just think it's all it's great it's just great we've it's been a long time for us Padre fans we lost the Chargers we had to go through that whole rebuild we tore it all the way down but they're doing it right and as long as they you know continue to have a payroll you know 12 or higher I think they're going to be a damn good organization, you know. I mean, Abrams, Gore, I mean, those are high, highly prospects. More guys coming, Robert Hassel, Capuano. Are they all going to pan out? Probably not, but I trust is going to get even more guys in the next two, three years in drafts. I know they're going to be picking a lot, you know, higher, you know, in the late 20s but or 30s, but... You know his international signings. It doesn't matter what round you for picks and you know so on. I I think he'll he'll get our farm system back back up in another two years. You know, you'll get more and more draft picks and more and more international signings, and he'll probably he'll end up trading. I think lament or paddock and get more guys. So. That's just my prediction for coming up next year. Uh, Moving into the NFL, I got just a few thoughts on that. Uh, Carson Wentz got traded for a second rounder that could potentially be a first rounder and a third rounder to the Colts. I don't think Wentz is that good. I don't know what the Colts really are doing on this deal. I understand what the Eagles are doing. Um, You know, you get rid of some of that contract. Now, they have to pay a lot of the contracts still because you know, the signing bonus and all that stuff uh, for the ego sense. But just get rid of that guy. The guy's not good. He's a baby. Sounds like he's not a team player. Uh, I never really thought he was that good. Everyone told me how great he was coming out of the draft. I didn't like him. I liked golf so coming out of the draft. So I basically, I I would almost say I went one for one. One was, I, I thought golf was good. I got that wrong. And then I didn't think Wentz was that good. I would say I got that right. Because, I mean, everyone's like, well, he had that season, he was going to be the uh, league MVP. Sure. But then Nick Foles came in and elevated the team even more. So that just, didn't that tell people, like, shit, maybe it was the players around him that made Wentz look so good. And then as the team's talent kind of declined a little bit and you lost your offensive coordinator, Frank Wright, We see more and more of what Wentz really is, and he's just not that good. I mean, I think he's average at best, and I don't know. I don't know. I think the Colts made a mistake in that trade because I think they could have upgraded the quarterback position a lot better than that. If I were the Colts, I don't know. I mean, I would have gotten someone else. I would have gotten... I mean, I don't know. I I would have. I would have. I'm not even a Sam Darnold guy. I would have maybe gone for him and just gave up like a second rounder for him, or you know, Jordan Love maybe. Maybe try that. Someone else. I just there had to be something else there, you know, better than going for Wentz and. I mean, the Colts got a great offensive line. They could run the ball. Jonathan Taylor's really good. The first eight games, he looked like shit. But the last eight games, he really stepped it up. He looked really good. They got money, so I think they're going to probably sign a few guys. They're one of the only teams that has that kind of cap space. And then, you know, they get to keep their first rounder. Now, come next year, supposedly if he plays 75% of the games this year, then – It becomes a first-rounder for the Eagles, or if the Colts make the playoffs, I think it becomes a first-rounder. So, most likely, it's going to end up being a first-rounder, because he's probably going to play 75% of the snaps. But, I just, I don't know. If I were the Colts, I would have gone after it a different way. They didn't. I mean, what have you. As far as the NFL draft, I've been studying, you know, more and more on guys. Uh, the four quarterbacks, I really like them all. To be honest with you, Trevor Lawrence, I'm not as high on Trevor Lawrence as everyone else is. I am very high on Zach Wilson. I've been high on him for a while. Uh, I mean, I I bet on him on some games last year when he was a sophomore. I think he's really good. Uh, Fields worries me a little bit just on anticipation. Seems like he doesn't. He doesn't anticipate throws, but that can come his time. Like, if I think if Justin Fields gets a really good offensive coordinator, you know, an offensive-minded team, he's going to be really good. If he gets a defensive-minded team and, you know, and they're telling him just to throw 30 times a game and kind of don't throw the big interception, then he then he might struggle, you know. But if he gets a team that lets him rip it and says, these guys are going to be open and blah, 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 then I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be good, you know. Like in this situation, this guy's going to be open here. Look at him and, and throw it. You know, just a good offensive-minded head coach. I think he he'll be good. Um, I mean, he's got all the tools. He he throws. He probably throws the best ball in my opinion. Well, Wilson has the the quickest, the the best zip on the ball. I think uh, Fields has the most power, and then Lawrence, Lawrence, like just. His presence, pocket presence, and his ability to throw almost everything is one or two on everything compared to everyone else. Um, I haven't studied Lawrence that much. I only went in like two games, but obviously, you know, three years of him basically being a starter and watching him a lot on TV. And then I just know that the Lions have no chance of getting him, so I haven't really studied him. And then I, I, like, I like Lance, um, Trey Lance. But he's got to sit. I would sit Fields and Lance. I would let Wilson play this year. If I'm the Jets, I would take Wilson. I would trade Darnold. I don't know if they're going to do that. If I was the Dolphins, I would probably draft Fields. Um, But if they don't draft Fields, they should take Pineda Sewell. The Falcons should take either Fields or or Lance if it's, you know, as far as my Lions go at seven, I'm worried that they're going to take Micah Parsons. I don't think he's that – I mean, he's fine. He's good. But I would not like the seventh pick to be in a linebacker like him. He's not Devin White. He's just not. Um, I would have loved the Lions to get Devin White. I loved him coming out of the draft that year. He got picked, uh, I think, at five, and the Lions were at eight and got Hawkinson. Hawkinson's really good player. I'm fine with Hawkinson, but picking tight ends – in the top ten usually isn't the greatest thing. But I just do not want Micah Parsons. For the Lions, I either want Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddell at the receiver position. I do not want Devontae Smith. I think he's – I think it's Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell are a little bit better than Smith. Smith worries me just on his size. He's not that big. I think teams can play bump and run on him. He's good, though. I mean, I think he could be a really good number two. And then, I mean, he could probably end up being a number one, but he's going to have to bulk up a little bit. Uh, Waddle is just your burner, and he's going to make everyone, your whole offense, better. He's going to make your running game better. He's going to make your immediate passing game better, your tight end, your receiver, you know, anything's going to be better because you're going to have the whole field with Waddle. Because he's going to be like Tyreek Hill, go deep, and then the safeties are going to have to play so far back. The running game's going to help. If the Lions got him, like Hawkinson will eat in the middle with a guy like Jalen Waddle. What have you. Another player that I think is really good and should be moving up. I mean, I think he... I I would take him number one as far as defensive players is Jalen Phillips from Miami, the defensive end. Now, the only thing is he's got some medical issues. I guess he's gotten some concussions. I mean, he almost quit football. So... I'm not no doctor, but if the medical stuff, if teams are clear on that, I would take him number one defensive player. I mean, he's the best pass rusher in the draft. I think I think the kid from Georgia. I don't I don't know exactly uh, how to pronounce his name. Number thirteen. He's really good too, but it's going to take him a while. Um, that's about it. What else do I got? Anyone else? Oh, I really like Zach Collins. The The linebacker from Tulsa, he's really good too. So that's all I got. Till the next time, go Padres.